You're listening to episode 87 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. What does it take to acquire another language? In my previous episode, I used a phrase that I have heard many times. Oh, but there's another language spoken in the home. The statement can mean so many things and nothing at all, and I wanted to break it down in today's episode. If we are to embrace the notion that teaching multilingual learners is not just the job and care of the ELD specialist, but that all of us play a part in the EL students' learning, then I wanted to offer some education around what it means to acquire another language. The science of sociolinguistics and language acquisition is a complex one, and I'm not going to go into all the details that will probably make your head spin. What I will geek out uh, on in this episode is about addressing terms like language confusion, bilingualism, and language competence. Once clarified, these three terms will help you understand what you can expect from your English learners, as well as how to guide them toward their English language mastery. Are you ready? Welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. Call me naive, but the first time I heard the term language confusion was when I moved to the United States. I grew up surrounded by multiple languages, and to me, there was never any confusion about which language to use or which was spoken around me. If you have been following me for some time, uh, you probably know this, but if you're new, I wanted to share a little bit of my language story so you will understand where I'm coming from. I grew up in a small country of Lithuania in Northern Europe, and my native language is Lithuanian, and that is what I'm most comfortable with. Now, due to complex historical reasons, Lithuania was part of Soviet Union for 50 years. Every Lithuanian, up until my country regained its independence in 1990, also learned Russian. It was mandatory in schools, and before independence, everything was always in two languages. In addition, I lived in the capital city where the population of Russian speakers, as well as those of other languages like Polish and Belarusian, was high, which meant that your chances of having a neighbor or friend speaking another language as their mother tongue were pretty high. So the above statement of uh, complex historical reasons can go in at least 10 other directions because it is quite loaded, especially for people who learned a language as a result of suppression or occupation. But for the sake of this episode, I want to stick to talking about how language is acquired. So besides our native tongue, Lithuanian, my grandparents, aunts and uncles, my parents, my friends, and my brother and I understand and speak Russian as well. My sister, who was born in the late 80s, understands a little, but I don't think she can have a conversation, and it's simply because Lithuanian finally became the only official language, and it was no longer required or taught in school in general. So if you were a Russian speaker in Lithuania, you it was mandatory for you to learn the uh, 
language of the country. Now, language learning is a complex, invisible process. One day you have no idea what a word means in another language or where a sentence begins or ends. And before long, you're able to utter simple phrases and they mean something to you. There are stages of language acquisition, which I will probably cover in another podcast episode, but today I wanted to go back to several statements, the first of which is this, but are they not confused when there are different languages spoken around them? The simple answer to it is right here. No, human brains are remarkable at sorting out the necessary information and distinguishing which language to use when and how. When I was in grad school, I took a sociolinguistics course, which to this day remains my favorite course of all. Sociolinguistics is the study of how groups of people use language. During it, I finally got the answers to the question of bilingualism and felt seen and heard and normal for including English words in a Lithuanian conversation, as well as responding in Lithuanian to a question posed in English or by including a Russian expression for good measure, because that was the most accurate thing I could come up with in the moment. We learn languages in different contexts and our brains are able to learn the concepts and attach words to those concepts in different languages. The second statement is the one I mentioned in the opening of this episode. Oh, but there's another language spoken in the home. Now let's break it down a little and talk about what it means to be bilingual or even multilingual and about language competence. According to Bernard Spolsky, a bilingual is a person who has some functional ability in a second language. Now, let's remember that there are different domains in language, such as reading, writing, speaking, and listening. A bilingual person's ability to engage with each of those domains can vary greatly from limited in one or two domains to quite strong command of both languages, and I'll give examples later on. Before we dive into the competence of domains, it is important to also understand how language is acquired. As children, we learn our mother tongue naturally, following interaction with our caregivers and environment. When there is no human interaction, language acquisition is not possible. Because it is the native language we're talking about, while there are milestones in its acquisition, it seems natural that it takes a while for a child to express themselves clearly. From syllable sounds to full words to phrases, sentences, ability to read, write, and communicate. Second language acquisition follows a very similar pattern, and it takes time and effort and exposure and interaction with others to speak that language. Did I mention time? Almost every bilingual person in the world is unique. There are too many factors that influence how we acquire the language, and it is extremely difficult to study and compare bilinguals. Nevertheless, attempts have been made, and there are two main ways a second language can be acquired. They're called simultaneous and sequential bilingualism. So let's break them down a little bit. Simultaneous bilinguals are people who are exposed to two or more languages since birth or before age three. This way, both languages are learned in a more natural way, and then the competence in both depends on further usage and exposure. So, for example, when I was learning Lithuanian, I was also exposed to a lot of Russian, and honestly, I cannot remember a time when I did not understand Russian. 
For our students, simultaneous bilingualism can happen in the following ways. In a family where parents come from different language backgrounds, each parent speaks a different language to the child from birth. I personally attempted this with two of my own kids who were born here and spoke only Lithuanian to them while I stayed home. Unfortunately, that was not a lot of time, a little over a year with my second son and four months with my youngest one. So while they understand more than they can speak, to have a meaningful conversation, we need to engage in a more systematic learning of the language. Again, time and exposure here are of the essence, and it is not an easy feat to achieve. The second way for a child to be simultaneously bilingual is if they hear one language at home, but then go to a daycare or have a nanny or other care provider who speaks another language to them. So sometimes people specifically hire uh, caregivers from other countries that speak another language in order for their children to be exposed to that language. Sequential bilingualism is when the second language acquisition begins at a later stage, usually when your first language is more established. In my case, I started learning English in fifth grade and used Lithuanian as a basis for learning. Our students, uh, for our students, it could be that they learn their first language in the family and community, but start learning English only when they begin going to school. When you are learning another language this way, you have already figured out certain language rules, such as how to complete sentences, have conversations, and the like. Many of our students are sequential bilinguals or even multilinguals. They learn their first language at home and then are immersed in a school with a different dominant language and or they move to another country, in this case the USA, and are forced to learn a new language again by way of immersion into school. Now, there are even more layers to this, and this is where the third point comes in, language competence. This is what's important to know about language competence. It depends on a myriad of factors. We have to think about what was the age of the student when they started learning a second language. In this case, we're talking about the language of English that we work with the students on. Uh, how much exposure do they get at home to academic language, uh, meaning do they know academic language in their mother tongue, or do they only get exposure to academic English? Uh, have they mastered the language domains of reading, writing, communication in their first language and therefore can transfer some of that knowledge to acquiring their second language? Or are they starting learning English from scratch, so to speak? So according to Spolsky, differences in language competence can really lead to misunderstandings in education. For example, teachers might assume that a student who can reasonably communicate with his peers is also to a, able to perform academic work in their new language. And that is simply not true. So that is why it really is important to know the language proficiency levels and to understand where the student is coming from on their language learning journey. Going back to my story, yes, I continued learning Russian in school for academic purposes. However, due to the fact that I almost never use it, especially now living in the U.S., 
Reading and writing have become much more difficult for me in that language. And speaking as well, simply because I don't have um, many opportunities. I go to the Eastern European market in, in a nearby city, and uh, that's when I can speak freely because it is non-committal, but uh, most of the time I also revert to English. However, I can understand everything in Russian, and I mean following complex political discussions everything. So my uh, competence in Russian is limited. I am able to listen and nod. Um, I'm able to read, but not as well. I'm able to write some. Uh, whereas in English and Lithuanian, I can say that I am completely fluent in both languages. So yes, it is a very complex process. It requires time, which is the most important component. It requires exposure, interaction with others. At school, it is important for us to know the language proficiency level and competence of our students in each language domain. Th that is what is going to help you uh, tailor your lessons. And uh, that is also where we all as teachers must come together and help our English learners move forward. I hope you found this episode useful. I really love geeking up about the stuff, but I also know that it is a dense topic. So I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So to recap, here are a few important points we talked about. Number one, learning two or more languages at the same time will not cause confusion. If anything, it is better for the brain as it increases its plasticity. Human brains are really remarkable at sorting out the necessary information and distinguishing when to use what. Number two, there are two ways to acquire a second language simultaneously when a person is exposed to two or more languages since birth and sequentially when a person starts learning a new language after they have established some competence in their native tongue. And number three, language competence is different for each bilingual person. Some people are really good at reading in their second language but have a hard time speaking and writing. Others are completely fluent in two or more languages. This is where we can go back to our students' proficiency levels mentioned in the previous episode, and I can link that in the show notes for you to listen if, in case you missed it. As always, if you are an EL teacher, please share this with your colleagues. I am on a mission to reach as many teachers as possible and help them discover their own power in reaching multilingual learners in their classroom. And I want to hear from you. What are your biggest questions about language acquisition? Send me a message on Instagram and let's chat. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook, SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.